Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Bird 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good morning, Birds fans. It's a non-football Friday. The question is, will it be a fatality Friday? We'll find out at some point in the future. I don't even know if we'll find out today and or tomorrow. There are many variables as to where this Philadelphia Eagles offseason <clears> is going. <throat> and that's why I'm partnered with John McMullen, because he gets to the heart of it and uh, gets us some good insight. Johnny Mack, when we left yesterday, I asked what your day was going to be like on Thursday, and you said texting my life away, uh, looking for a sunny day and some inside information. Yeah. Saint, um, and San Martin, San St. Martin. Yeah, we're talking about that. Yeah, looking for a sunny day, but uh, couldn't get one because, you know, the owner's busy yacht shopping. So we'll, we'll get the business when it's time to get the business. It is it is a good life that Jeff Laurie is having, except for Monday night down in Tampa. That wasn't too good, but he's trying to rebound. By buying a yacht. Uh, good on him. Uh, well, and here in the Delaware Valley, the snow's coming down. I went with the heavy shirt today. Just yeah, I know it's snowing significantly outside, and it's going to get worse as the day goes on. So that and I wore a shirt last night, so I said I'm throwing it back on again. Uh, uh, I know people want a result. They want someone to pay. They want to see a little carnage after the collapse that was the 2023 season for the Philadelphia Eagles. As a guy who does this for a living and also a fan, I'd like some answers too, but maybe I'm just a little bit more patient in life and don't need my answers immediately every single day, every single time. You got any problems with the Eagles taking the measured approach here? We can poke fun at Jeff Laurie all we want about yacht shopping, but... There are other teams. They're making other calls, and 
trying to sell other coaches, be they head or coordinator or any other position. Uh, the, the National Football League continues to spin, and the Eagles have taken a step back and said, let's take a deep breath before we get into the most important meetings and the decisions thereafter. Eagles a little slow to react here, in your opinion, Johnny Mac? No, because I think their reaction at this stage is pretty obvious, and that's that Nick Sirianni's uh, going to be back, uh, most likely. I, I won't put it at 100% because there's an avenue, but I've always said the avenue lies with Nick Sirianni's willingness yep. to accept the instructions put in front of him. If he accepts them, he'll be back, and I'm at 100% with that. But he might not, and that's where the opening comes in. So from the Eagles' perspective, it's business as usual. They're doing things behind the scenes. Jeffrey's yacht shopping, but as you saw the report from Diana Rossini, Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni are contacting potential um, coaches, uh, be they coordinators or assistants. Um, so they're, they're still doing work, um, and that is another indication that they're going in a certain direction. Um, and again, they can sit down today and who knows it's snowing. So, you know, everything's canceled, right? You know, it's not like when we were young, Jody, yeah, this, this wouldn't get school canceled, but they canceled school last night. So um, Jeffrey might put it off even further. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll see what shakes out today, but um, I think it's pretty clear the plan and we'll see how the plan unfolds. Um, so from that standpoint, I have a problem with it. And if you go back to Chip Kelly, right, when he wants to fire somebody, he, he, for those who forget, he fired Chip Kelly. Chip didn't coach the last game of the season. He was out. Pat Shermer coached the last game of the season. So, you know, he, he can make a quick decision when he wants to make a quick decision. But then you go to Doug Peterson again. The plan was, and that's why we leave the door open for Nick Sirianni, the plan was to move forward with Doug Peterson. And then Doug laid out his plan to move forward. Jeffrey didn't like it, said, no, you got to go in a different direction. Doug, who basically got a little bit tired of being pushed around, said, you know what? I'm done. Pay me the final year of my deal. I'll go take a vacation, much like the owner. Um, and he did, and he came back the year the year later. So that that is where we are, and that's, I think, pretty clear from this standpoint, but if he wanted to fire him, he could have fired him the next day, could have fired him two hours after the game. Um, he could have done it immediately, but he didn't want to do it immediately. So that tells you a lot. Sure does. And oh, by the way, Pat Shermer want to know best winning percentage. Yes, ever. Eagles history. Yeah, correct. And still, still kind of surprised. We'll never be game. broken, by the way. We'll can, never be can broken. only be tied. Correct. Yeah. Um, and there is no interim coach here because Nick Sirianni made to the end, got his head handed to him in Tampa Bay. Uh, I'm with you across the board and everything you just said. You and I see it exactly the same. So here's my question to you. You probably would have said we weren't doing Birds 365 at the time. I wish we were. Um, that Doug Peterson would have said, been able to read the room and go, do I really want to stay as a coach of this team? Do I want to get fired? Do I want to take another shot with my guys again in the year? Because you uh, continually tell me, Jody, there's a reason they went 4-11-1 that year. They weren't good, but they weren't as bad as their record indicated because they had all those injuries on the offensive line. And they just 
they, they weren't the same team that had gone to the playoffs consecutive years prior to and even won the Super Bowl. Doug had to know that too. And he had to have faith that, hey, if I get the chance, I'm going to be able to put this back together again. He chose not to. And I think Doug's also bright enough to know if you draw a line in the sand, the owner's going to erase the line and you, my friend. And apparently Doug reached the conclusion that, yeah, I want to move on. Go ahead, fire me, like you just said. I don't know that I would have believed that prior to. If we were doing Birds 365, then you and I both would have been on the record. I was on WIP at the time, and I think, memory serves, I thought that Peterson, when he wasn't fired the day after the season ended, had saved his job. And then they had the all-important meeting, and Doug decided to throw a smoke bomb into the room, and boom, he was done. Mm -hmm. Do you think that Nick Sirianni can do the same today? I think he could, but the difference is the difference between Doug and Nick is Doug was farther along getting pushed around. Um, he he had wanted to keep Mike Rowe the year prior, um, and you you remember the whole. He, we're there in the press conference. We asked him the question: Is Mike Rowe going to be back? He said yes. Yep. And then two days later, he had to turn around and fire him because he was he didn't want to fire him he he was ordered to fire him um so he was further along the process of being a little bit uh upset about how they were dipping into his coaching staff and um then it came the next season and from the standpoint you know press taylor's an interesting guy because doug didn't hire press taylor but he grew to like him and I and press is interesting to me because behind the scenes, the Eagles will tell me what a smart guy. This guy's going to be a, a future star in the coaching industry. And all of a sudden, he became the scapegoat, and he was a dummy. So overnight, very similar to Nick Sirianni. That, that's an actual scapegoat. You and I debated yeah. the definition of scapegoat yeah. yesterday. Oh yeah, I would absolutely point to Press Taylor and his Philadelphia Eagle tenure and go, "Oh, that guy got scapegoated." Yeah, and you know. Same in a larger sense, because not a lot of people knew press because, you know, he, he was never officially the offensive coordinator. You remember the last year they had that weird convoluted setup where they didn't have an offensive coordinator that press uh, Taylor and Rick Stangarella. Yeah. yeah. Marty was here. Um, it was absurd. And, 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 and Doug kind of said that, look at your nonsense. Basically. I've, I've talked to pe- people close to Doug since then. That that was their, you know, creation. Doug didn't want to do that, and it, it didn't work. So from that standpoint, then he goes in with a clear plan. Look, you know, and Jim Swartz, the smartest guy of them all, was like, I'm going to retire for 20 minutes and get the hell out of here before the, you know, what hits the fan. Um, and that's how long he retired, I think, 20 minutes. Yeah, and he was back in the league. Um, so Jim was the smartest guy of all. But – so he had to replace, replace, or he had to have a plan for both coordinators. And he said, press is my guy. He grew to like press a lot. And obviously he's got him in Jacksonville and he's the offensive coordinator. And uh, he wanted to hire Matt Burke, who was a Jim Swartz guy, Jim Swartz acolyte. It was here. Um, and former defensive coordinator in Miami, smart guy, Ivy league guy. Um, 
And and if it wasn't Matt Burke, it was going to be Corey Unlin, who was here for many years under Doug as the defensive backs coach, but was actually, again, a Chip, Chip Kelly brought him in. Uh, and he had left, and he was going to try to bring him back. Um, so, and, and Jeffrey said, no, can't do that. Can't do that. Um, and, you know, further along from the grow aspect of it, he was, he was more upset than probably Nick will be today when he said, and, and by the way, I think Nick understands there's got to be a lot of changes on that defensive coaching staff, especially. Um, I think he understands that going in. So it was a little bit different from that perspective with Doug and and Nick, uh, with, and all because of Mike Rowe and to a certain extent, Press Taylor. I think you've laid it out quite well, and there are significant differences between Peterson's situation and Sirianni's situation. Um, here's the one reason that I think Doug may blow up him, uh, Nick may blow up himself. I'm a Sirianni fan. I have never gotten to the point where I said leaning up, adding that percentage it was less than 5% before the Seattle game. Then it went to Tampa. Then it went to 20%. And the Giants last. And uh, now I got to, to 51-49 stay. I never even got to 50-50. I've been a he should stay guy all along. Uh, readily admitting if he gets fired, I'm not going to go, oh, my God, what were the Eagles thinking? No, they could really fire him, but it was damn close to 50-50. So I've stayed as a Sirianni fan. But one of the things I've always kind of questioned Nick on and stand by today is he can be a stubborn SOB. He can dig his feet in, his heels in when he wants to. And he doesn't get quite to the level of obstinate, but he's close. He's bumping up against it. He, he can get his, uh, you know what, in an uproar every once in a while. I don't know that that would happen today. I would bet against it happening today. As we sit here, can I tell you, I guarantee you it doesn't happen today? No, I can't. Then well, that's if- where I am. Yeah, I, I mean, he, he, yeah, he can. And I said, if, if, if they try to push and try to go in a different direction. I always use, and I don't think they're going to do this, but I always use Kevin Petullo as an example. Say, you know what? You guys are too close and you need somebody who's going to not just agree with you, things like that. You know how corporations are. They said, you got to bring in differing thoughts and um, outside voices and things like that. Because they're so close, if they, if they try to go down that route and say something like that, which I don't think they're going to do, I want to emphasize that clearly. Um, I could see Nick saying, "You know what? I I'm 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 getting another job. <laughs> you pay me for a year, even if it's not immediate. He's getting another job. Um, those those people are insane who think Nick Sirianni wouldn't be hired by somebody else." Um, so yeah, I'm that's why you have to leave the door open. If they if they push too far, and really it's I shouldn't even say they, it's really Jeffrey more than Howie. Um, if he pushes too far, yeah, anything's on the table. And that's why you can't say a hundred percent he's gonna be back. All right. Let me let me ask you about a specific uh course of action that the coach has taken during his time here in Philadelphia, which 
I just personally have questioned here with you on Bird 365 on my WIP shows. I, I, I don't get the whole rubbing salt in the wounds on opponents thing. Yeah. The going well, in the stands and high-fiving fans and screaming in tunnels and stuff like that. Uh, maybe you know the answer to this. If you do, please share it because I don't. Do you think he was ever attempted to be reeled back in by the organization? No, never got that indication. Okay. Never, because I've asked him that question. And I'm not the only one. I said, you know, he talks about motivation all the time. Use whatever you use. Make stuff up. He said, Michael, he always points to Michael Jordan. And Michael did. He would make stuff up. You know, DK Metcalf made stuff up. When the when his playing, Jim Swartz went up to him and said, Man, you're a great player. You're 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 the best. You're not there yet, but you're the closest I've ever seen to Calvin Johnson, which is a compliment for anybody who knows anything about professional football. Well, DK was like, what do you, what do you, what do you mean I'm not as good as somebody else? And he took it as an affront and he went out and he torched the Eagles. Use it. And I asked Nick that exact question and I, I turned his own thoughts on him and I said, you ever think about other people using that as motivation when you spike the football and um, make those? Because Kansas City was when I asked him and he came in and, you know, was hollering about the Kansas City fans. And he mentioned he saw Elliot, Elliot Shore Parks, your your comrade at WIP, who said um, the Chiefs were going to win the game because they had the better coach and the better quarterback. And he was screaming about him and that, and it's like, come on, dude, what are you, what are you doing? I, I, I and yeah, I, I've asked him that question. He says you got to be yourself and all that kind of stuff. And evidently, he was a big trash talker way back to high school when he was playing basketball. His friends say he would trash talk, and everybody loved him, and the opposing schools hated him because he just, you know, and that's. That's fine, but when things went bad, people will pile on more quickly. Oh, yeah. I was at Joe Torrey was was the guy who I first heard it from. And he said, if you're nice to people, if you're engaging to people, simple things like you introduce yourself and say, Hi, Jody. I'm I'm John. Hi, Ed Kratz in the green room. I'm John. They will give you the benefit of the doubt. Now, if you do badly. And you treat people poorly, they're going to turn on you quicker. Quicker. And yep. if you're a if you're a head coach or in that case a, a manager in baseball, that's very important to get a, a little bit more room. And Nick doesn't seem to uh, process that at this point, but he has acknowledged pretty consistently down the stretch of the season he he needs to work on uh, controlling his emotions a little bit more. Right. And that's that was kind of leading to my stubbornness point. If he had been told, I guess the only one he really have to listen to is Howie. I don't think Jeffrey would call him in and wag a finger at him and don't be high-fiving other teeth. Um, so Howie probably, if the organization felt that he had gone way overboard and it could potentially uh, abstract a price down the road, it, I never saw the pullback which is the reason why I've said that Nick's uh, Sirianni is stubborn. I'll give you one other incident. Shockingly, I don't think I've ever mentioned this on the show before, the fact that he never defers, always defers, never even thinks about it. Just go ahead, 
the analytics say. That's just stubborn. You have to take into consideration each and every single game. It's stubbornness there. Just scrapes at me. You know that. Um, and maybe, just maybe, he loses his mind today and goes real stubborn on him and says, no, my coaching staff was... Uh, the one thing we don't know is how much uh, the whole Matt Patricia thing came down, whether it was, it was him, and he does that. He's not stubborn. He's stupid. Um but we don't know yeah. how much. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe he'll say he can't shovel out here in South Jersey. Can't get over. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. That, that'll, that'll be John McMullen and Ed Kratz and all the other Eagle beat writers texting their life away to find out where Nick Sirianni is stuck and offer him a ride to the, in their four wheel, fancy four wheel drives on their huge Eagle reporter fans uh, salaries to get Nick over to the uh, Wells. No, I don't think so. That's not going to be happening. I would not be surprised if Nick is already there. Just made sure got over there. Uh, you got to be. You got to be there early. You got to pretend. That's Dick Vermeil's fault, by the way. You got to be there at uh, five in the morning. You got to be there, uh, yeah, all day. Nick probably working on his fourth cup of coffee. All right, he's McMullen on McDonald. We are Mac on Mac on Birds three sixty five. One of our faves. He's got the good uh, heavy shirt on today, like Jody Mac. He's prepared for the winter. Ed Cratch joins us next here on Birds three sixty five. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money 
in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Maganak here on Birds 365 on a non-football Friday. Will it turn into a fatality Friday? We are joined by our buddy from Sports Illustrated, John's running mate, Ed Kratz. And little did we know that Ed Kratz had the best sources in the yachting world. I just did not know that that was the case. Uh, So since you were the first to note that Jeff was cooling down and out looking at potentially luxury ships... We are going to allow you to officially tell us, is it St. Martin or St. Martin? <laughs> um, I think I'm going to go with St. Martin. You know, yeah. straight up, just regular Martin. Yeah. Just Martin. Straight up St. Martin. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what ugly Americans we are. I want to go San Martin. I don't know why, but I want to, I want to try it. Um, yeah. It sounds better uh, than St. Martin. It sounds more refined, but I don't know if it's actually right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, it's not about right. It's about being more refined. <laughs> okay. I, I digress. I'm sorry, Ed. Yeah. Well, By the way, we know he was officially uh, shopping for yachts, or was he just on vacation? Just wanted to, because it was nice. It was 83 in Fort Lauderdale. I had to stop there. So. I, I checked the weather in St. Martin, and it was 84, 85, same type of thing. So was it just he wanted to get away after that disgusting performance in uh, Tampa Bay by his football team? Well, my you know my source told me he was shopping for a boat, um, yeah. you know, and I'm sure it's not a dinghy given you know Jeffrey Lurie's net worth. Um, so that's pretty good. Uh, I'm thinking it was a yacht of yeah. some kind, or uh, you know, a pretty big boat. I would say. Um, how does that? How does that? How does that lie with you? That he's going out yacht shopping. Well, um, you know, maybe he was just—he's one of those people that to feel better about something that just happened, like the Eagles' season ending. He goes out and shops and spends money and feels all like right, right. he's better about things. Maybe, maybe it's as simple as that. Maybe he said, "You know what? I'm I'm so depressed that this season is over. I'm going to go out and buy a, a bigger boat." I'm going to buy a better boat or just buy a boat in general, just so I feel better. Um, That's kind of how I take it. I don't, you know, it's interesting, you know, maybe it cleared his head. Maybe he's trying to get some. Hey, you know what? That part of it, I think you should clear your head. I think you shouldn't be emotional. I think you should take a couple of days. So that part of it, I think is a good aspect of just, Hey, settle down, you know, be logical, rational. Don't be emotional. Um, but I think it tells you something too, because Jody just pointed out correctly. So, you know, everybody else is interviewing candidates, interviewing not only head coaching candidates, but, uh, coordinators and, and things like that. And if you're behind, you know, that's what happened with Sean decide. Let's be honest. The Eagles were last in line and they got a guy they weren't happy with. So there's a, there's an interesting 
uh, tightrope there. I can tell you why Jeff Laurie is yacht shopping. Because he can, okay? <laughs> That's why he's doing it. Because yeah. he can. McMullen can, Kratz can't, McDonald can't. Yeah. Jeff Laurie can. So he's going to do that. I can go dinghy shopping if you guys want to go dinghy shopping. As, as a matter of fact, I think that we've seen dinghy used here on our stream by several Eagle fans describing the head coach of the Eagles. I think they referred to him <laughs> as a dinghy. Um, so what's going to happen here, Ed Kratz? Big meeting powwow today is Nick Sirianni, if he has to sell himself and his future, of uh, vision of the future, if he has to accept any suggestions slash mandates that he gets from Laurie and, and Roseman, how's, how's it going to play today? Do you think John and I have spent the better part of the last 10 minutes talking about how the coach could shoot himself in the foot? You think that's got a chance of happening today? Well, I, I heard you guys talking a little bit about the stubbornness of Nick Sirianni. And, you know, listen, if he goes in there and, you know, sticks to his gun, so to speak, and, you know, says, you know, I still want to do this my way and I feel like I've earned that right, then, yeah, he, he could be in trouble. But I don't think that that's going to happen. I, you know, I think Lurie probably went away knowing that, you know, Nick Sirianni is going to be his head coach. And maybe he told Howie and, you know, they put together a coordinators list uh, and, you know, run it by Nick. And then when I get back, uh, we'll go through it after I meet with Nick. And that's what we'll talk about during the meeting is we'll figure out what we're going to do with this coaching staff. But I, I think Lurie being away kind of indicates to me that Nick's probably safe. Um, and, and I think he'll still have the job uh, after today's meeting. Now, how the coordinator thing shakes out, that's a whole different story. And the rest of the staff shakes out. We already know they need a defensive coordinator. Um, the whole offensive coordinator thing is interesting because, you know, Jalen Hurts and Brian Johnson, their families are close. Jalen really likes Brian. In fact, when Jalen met with us, you know, when all the lights were dimmed inside the locker room Tuesday evening or Wednesday evening, I guess it was, I'm losing track of my days. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he mentioned, Hurts mentioned that he has trust in Nick. And he said, Nick and Brian and me, we're going to get this thing fixed. So he even alluded to Brian Johnson. And you could make the case that, you know, listen, Jalen Hurts had eight different offensive coordinators before Shane Steichen stayed here for two years. And then we saw that big growth jump in Hurts in year two of Shane Steichen. So that could be the pitch is, hey, you know, this would be year two of Brian Johnson. There's familiarity now. Let's bring back Brian Johnson and now to see what we can do with Jalen Hurts in year two. Maybe he makes a similar jump in year two under Johnson that he did in year two under Steichen. Yeah, it, and Brian's so interesting. He's the most interesting part to me because I think Nick is going to be back and obviously yeah. they're going to go in a different direction on the defensive side and that leaves Brian Johnson. And he is so close to the quarterback. After the game, after an extensive cooling off period, you, I think you were there, Ed, when we walked in right yeah. at the top. And what did we see first? Jalen Hurts and Brian Johnson sitting together in a deep conversation uh, after a terrible loss. Um, they're close. And how, how much do you want to mess with the quarterback? And by the way, the rest of the league, he interviewed with Atlanta. Uh, today, he's going to interview in Tennessee, um, Carolina. Um, they like Brian Johnson. He seems to be well-respected. Now, I don't think he's getting a head coaching job. You never know. I, I look at Carolina and I say, 
not a well-respected organization. They're not going to get plan A. They're probably not going to get plan B. They might even not get plan C. So they might end up on a surprise. And that's the one avenue I could see Brian getting a head coaching job. But I don't think it's likely. And if he doesn't, and you fire a guy who's getting all these interviews to be a head coach, boy, that that's rare. I'm trying to think of, do you ever remember that happening? Uh, somebody getting that many head coaching interviews and then he gets fired as well, an offensive coordinator? You, you hate to say it, but, you know, he fits the criteria for the Rooney rule, right? I mean, that's you have to take that into consideration. Yeah, is, yeah. You know, is, is he just kind of the guy? And it's great for Brian Johnson to get – you know, practice with these interviews to become a head coach because that that's probably going to be in his future. But you have to wonder how many of these teams are just, you know, qualifying for the Rooney rule by interviewing Brian Johnson. I hate to say that because I like Brian a whole lot too. And I think he's got, he's a smart guy. And I, I, you know, I, I think, I, I think he could be back to be honest. And, and, and we saw that with Shane Steichen in his first year with Jalen Hurts. I think he had a job interview for a head coach too. Uh, he didn't get it. Um, but it was good practice for him, and he came back year two. You know, we saw the jump in Hurts, and that led to the job with the Indianapolis Colts. But, you know, John, you mentioned the fact that, you know, the Panthers aren't a well-respected organization. You know, that's something else Lurie has to think about here. Is, yeah. yeah. Uh, you don't want to go down the path of having to hire your fourth head coach here in the last 11 years since Andy Reid left. Um, you know, that's not a good look. It wasn't that good of a look when he fired Doug Peterson three years after he won the Super Bowl, and how would it look if he let go of a head coach? You know, and I know there were issues that need to be fixed, no doubt about it. And fans want Nick Sirianni gone, but it wouldn't be a good look, in my opinion, if you release a coach who has taken his team to the playoffs all three years that he's been here, put together back-to-back eleven-plus winning seasons, something only Andy Reid and Dick Vermeil have done in the history of this franchise. Uh, and took him to a Super Bowl just a year ago. I just don't think it's a good look. I think he right, comes but back. Let me, let me ask you this, Ed, because yeah. I thought about this from the coordinator perspective. There's a chance they're going to fire both. We know they're going to hire their third defensive coordinator in less than 12 months. That's a given. And the question is, Johnson, yay or nay? And if I got to be the Johnson hater, that's fine. You guys both seem to think he's going to stay. I don't think he should. That's just my opinion. I think they should change both coordinators. However, to your point, you want to be hiring the guy who saw both, three, not one, not two, three coordinators get fired in one year's time. That the Eagles went 11 and five. Yeah, they collapsed. Yeah, they got beat by 10 in the first round, but they went 11 and five and fired not one, not two, but three coordinators in one year. Does that make the job a little dicey for anybody's out there who's going, well, wait a minute, do I really want to go there? They'll lop off my head if we come back eight and nine next year. I don't want to necessarily take that gig. Should you worry about that and how you handle the coordinators? Uh, well, yeah, there's a case to be made for that also. And, you know, listen, I had a hard time getting back from Tampa on uh, on uh, Tuesday, I guess it was. Uh, I spent the whole day in the Tampa airport with flight delays. And there were other beat writers uh, in that airport, stranded with me. By including the way, it's not a bad airport. I've flown in and out of Tampa. It's plenty in my no, nice place. Nice. They got yeah. the outside smoking. Yeah. You stand in well, a cage. You have a cigarette. Yeah. You go back in. I like the Tampa mm-hmm. airport a lot. Yeah, well, I don't, I'm not a, sm- a smoker, but I like yeah. my. You learn a lot outside in the cage. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> was Jim Leland out there uh, in the cage? If the Tigers yeah. were flying, out, yes, Jim would have been out there <laughs> with me. 
Yeah. Well, I like that airport too. I think it's probably one of the, I've flown through a lot of, yeah, airports. I called it top five. Tampa. Yeah. I, I, would, agree, top I would agree five with that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, my point being is, you know, Sal Powell from ESPN was there and him and I were having a conversation about if you bring Sirianni back, how difficult is it going to be to uh, find a young coordinator to come in and hitch his wagon to Nick Sirianni, who, if he does come back, will probably be on the hot seat as soon as next season begins. And if he yeah. gets off to a slow start, you know, he may not see Halloween. Uh, so do you want, if you're a, a coordinator, a young coordinator with eyes towards becoming a head coach, would you take this job knowing that Sirianni could be gone if he gets off to a slow start next year? I mean, I, I don't think so. So now you're looking at more of an experienced voice inside uh, those coordinator rooms, maybe like a Frank Reich, who there is some interest there on the Eagles side of, of bringing Frank Reich in to possibly be either an offensive coordinator if Johnson's gone, or he could be a senior offensive analyst to work with Brian Johnson. Um, you know, Marcus Brady's job, who's probably, um, you know, he got an interview with Chicago to be the offensive coordinator. So. Yeah, a lot of avenues you can go. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But then a defensive side, are you going to get a young guy, you know, a young linebacker coach or a secondary coach who uh, is going to come in and, and hitch his, his star to Nick Sirianni's fate? I, you know, it's going to be tough. So you might be looking at a veteran voice there, maybe, a, a you know, a Mike Caldwell from that just got fired from the Jaguars or somebody like that. So and maybe that's not a bad thing. Maybe that's what Sirianni needs is more of a veteran presence in those chairs. Yeah, I you know, one of the things – you brought brought up Ed, and I think it's a good point. And I think people get confused by it, or they forget um, because of the success the Eagles have had. Um, Adam Gase walked out of that building. Um, ben McAdoo turned around on the New Jersey Turnpike, turned down the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Brandon Staley wouldn't interview with the Philadelphia Eagles. Said, "No, I'm not dealing with Howie." Brandon Staley turned down the Philadelphia Eagles. Robert Sala, because he's a nice person by all accounts. I don't think he's done a good job for Jody's Jets, but good guy. He 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 took an interview with the Eagles, but just to be nice. He, he was far along with the Jets. Same thing with Arthur Smith. They all said, you know what? This ain't a good spot. You just fired Doug Peterson, a Super Bowl winning head coach, three years off. So you fire Nick Sirianni, yeah, somebody's going to take the job because there's only 32 of these things. Carolina's going to be able to hire somebody too. But guys who have options are not going to look at you. They're not. And those tend to be, in those cases, people say, well, they all stink. Staley stinks. Uh, that, that's true. But you generally want guys with options. And if the Eagles keep going down this route, it's not going to be good. It, it, well, that's exactly right. And, you know, so that's why Lori has to be careful uh, about this. And um, you, you want to make sure you get the right guy, obviously. But who, what's that right guy going to look like as a coordinator? Um, again, I just think that, you know, sometimes the grass isn't always greener. And I think Brian Johnson, I would probably give him another shot now. Sirianni has to come in with a plan with this meeting with Jeffrey Lurie because there was obviously some sort of disconnect, and I think it was between Sirianni and Johnson, um, you know, on how they wanted this offense to look. 
So that could be what plays against, you know, Johnson returning and maybe even Sirianni returning, but I don't think so. But I, there was a disconnect between those two. Uh, you know, Nick wanted things done a certain way. Brian Johnson, I think, resisted. And I think that trickled down to Jalen. And we saw, you know, some struggles from Jalen. So Sirianni has to go to Lurie with a plan to say, yeah, you know, I'm on board with this now. I'm going to give Brian complete autonomy to run what kind of offense he wants. Uh, and I'm just going to kind of be in charge of things. And I don't know. If that's it, not that's not happening. I, I don't think he'll be able to do it. You, right. you were listening to me and John before. Yes. One I thing was. you can definitely say about Nick Sirianni, he can be stubborn. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he's got to. No, here. so here's how you got to pose it. Would the Eagles try and foist that on Sirianni? Listen, we want to keep Brian Johnson. So you need to, like, cut the restraints. Make it his offense. No, you always said all year, what's well, my offense? Don't get it behind. It's my. You took the bullets, but we know better behind closed doors. Yeah, you were still pulling all the strings. And we don't think the offense ran as well as it did, uh, should have. Give Brian autonomy. Do you think the Eagles would actually run that by mm -hmm. Sirianni? Well, I think there's a history there, right? I mean, they tried to foist their beliefs onto Doug Peterson and who he should bring back and how this team should be run uh, from, you know, inside the coaches rooms. And Doug pulled, you know, pushed back on that. And, um, you know, he, he lost his job basically because of that. So, yeah, I could certainly see based on history, you know, Jeffrey Lurie and Howie saying, yeah, this is how it has to be. And if you don't agree with that, then we're probably going to have an issue here. <laughs> Uh, that could lead to you being fired. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's that simple. Yeah. And we'll see if Sirianni goes along with it. Um, I think, I you think, know, I think he likes being here. Uh, he likes being in charge of the Philadelphia Eagles, and and I think he would maybe put his stubbornness on the back burner and go along with whatever they want. Two things. I I love the use of the word "boist" by both of you. So well done. I love that. That was Jody. And, I just yeah. followed up on Jody. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Number two, if that's what you think, and I know people are going to roll their eyes, but if that's what you think, and Brian Johnson has a better plan for this offense, fire the damn head coach, hire Brian Johnson to be the head coach, uh, put coordinators on him, because you're not, one thing we know, they're not firing the quarterback. So no. you're trying to accentuate the, the strengths of the quarterback as much as possible and trying to get him back on the, the right path. If that's truly what you think, that's what you should do. Not try to force, hey, Nick, go sit here while Brian runs the offense and Jesse Minner or her anybody else they hire runs the defense, and you just defer on kickoffs. I, I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> I, I don't think that's going to work. That's that's you know that's interesting. That would certainly you know as a, as a journalist, I always root for the story, and that would be yeah. an amazing story if they. Yeah, had I, let right. me give both. Let me give both you guys a story because I yeah. can see I see I, I can see that I see this very differently than you two guys. Um, I think Brian Johnson stunk this year between you and I. I think he did a lousy job. I don't know the inner workings behind. Was Nick? basically dictating terms. He made it sound like he gave Brian a lot of latitude and Brian was calling the plays. It's my offense. We draw it up all week, but then on Sunday, I have trust in Brian. I let him call the plays. I think their play calling was brutal this year. For the amount of talent that they had, the best offensive line in football, 
two number one wide receivers, a top seven or eight tight end, and the offense played the way that it did, specifically the last seven weeks of the season. What the F? Uh, so I think Brian Johnson did a lousy job. And John has continued to suggest, well, you don't want to upset the quarterback. You, you, he's his guy. And you don't want you, you're committed to Jalen, which I agree with. Of course, you are $250 million. Yeah. But maybe the problem was Brian Johnson, that Jalen Hurts, when you give me the number, eight straight offensive coordinators, different in eight straight years. And do you know what uh, Jalen Hurts' career arc looked like? Up, 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 up. Despite the fact that he had to work with defense, a uh, new offensive coordinator every single year, he just got better and better and better and better. What the hell happened? He took a step backwards. How do you explain that? Maybe it's Brian Johnson. Maybe he's a either too close with Jalen, and Jalen doesn't know how to handle the. My guy is now my guy. He's calling the plays, and he and I are like this, and I don't know how to deal with it. I don't know how to handle it, or. He's just not good at it. And he doesn't, he's not good at calling plays on a national football league level. I think that's more likely than any of the other scenarios. And although I think the Eagles do have to be careful with the way they handle it, I don't think they should run in fear. If if they've changed every no one else ever ran in fear of, oh my God, we got to keep the coordinator because Jalen's our guy. I know $250 million make you more committed than anything else, but so what? He's done it eight times. He just continued to get better and better and better. Why would you run scared of moving on from Brian Johnson? Yeah, I don't I don't think they'd run scared. I think they would just bring him back knowing that, you know, that he would be their guy. Um, if they let him go, then so be it. I mean, you're, you think he's merited being their guy? No, you know, I think you got to look at Sirianni. And like you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, like you don't know the inner workings like you know, Sirianni claims it's his offense and maybe he put those restraints on Brian Johnson and Johnson kind of resisted and kind of maybe went rogue a little bit and tried to do something differently. But yeah, clearly this offense, I mean, we saw a stretch this year of three straight games where this offense didn't put up more than 20 points. Um, You know, and this is an offense last year that averaged 28, 29 points a game. Um, So that that's clearly not good enough. And, you know, that could be Brian Johnson. It's probably Nick Sirianni because everything trickles down. And I'm sure those two talk about the plays that are going to be called during the week in certain situations. Nick Sirianni is very big on situational type football. So I'm sure uh, Johnson has a list of plays to choose from in various situations. And that's on Nick. You know, if Johnson feels like his way is better, but he's not being afforded that opportunity to kind of stretch his legs a little bit, if you will, within the offense, then that's on Nick. That's not on Brian Johnson. Um, but your point is valid. If if Jalen and Brian are buddy buddy because their families go back, you know, years and years, is that necessarily a good thing? You know, you you want Jalen Hurts is he takes to coach hard coaching well, as so he says. Is Brian Johnson coaching uh, Jalen Hurts well enough or hard enough yep. uh, to get the most out of him? That could be a concern is that they are too close and they're too comfortable together. So maybe that's an issue. Um, you know, these are all things I'm sure that will come up in the meeting with Nuri, with Sirianni and Lori uh, today sometime. Um, but you're right. I mean, I don't think they're scared of letting go of Brian Johnson, but if they feel he's the guy to move forward, then they're going to bring him back. Yeah. And, and it's all about what the Eagles feel. Yeah. And, and my uh, hypothetical, which is, typically Jody's wheelhouse was on the assumption that the Eagles think 
uh, Nick was the problem and, and there was a hamstring. And I said, if you truly think that, then show the courage of your convictions. I'm firing this. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, the larger point, though, and I want to get to this because I, I think you know it. I, I went, I arrived in Tampa thinking, all right, Nick's, is, Nick's going to be back because even if they lose this game, it'll be a close game and they'll spin it and he's a year off a of Super Bowl. It won't be that big of a problem. But they laid such an egg um, in that game. And two things I point to, 13 missed tackles on defense. 0 for 11. You mentioned situational football. 0 for 11 and 0 for on third and fourth downs. They even got stopped on a tush push. Should have been a penalty, but yada, yada. It happens in those scrums. Um, They even got stopped by Vita and company on the tush push. Um, Can we just overrate the stinking personnel on this team, especially especially when A.J. Brown's not on the field offensively. Now, we know defensively, they just stink. Offensively, without A.J., guess what? They're freaking pedestrian. Well, and, and again, that that's the head coach. All his Since he got here, he always said the offense runs through Brown, Smith, and Goddard. At no time did we see him try to develop an option behind them. He just assumed that all three of those guys would stay healthy and then, oh, when one goes out, we'll just rely on the other guys. But those other guys never saw a whole lot of time or a whole lot of targets uh, to be developed properly. So when Brown goes out, who's your number three all of, or your number two all of a sudden? Quez Watkins, you know, who, who you know, you didn't play for a time there when he came back. Uh, Britton Covey never got on the field. You didn't have any, uh, you know, Alameda Zacchaeus. I mean, he, you know, he saw a little bit of time here and there, but he never got – I don't think developed well. Um, when you're telling other teams that your offense is running through three players, then you're going to do your damnedest to shut those three players down. And then when one of those players goes out of the lineup, then you're kind of in trouble. And especially when it's someone like AJ Brown, um, you know, we saw it in the Giants last game of the year when he hurt the knee um, in the first quarter. They scored one touchdown against the Giants, five win team, and they score one touchdown against Tampa in the playoffs. Yeah, it was it was a complete disaster. This this team was ready for the season to end, uh, and we saw that reflected. And is that going to hurt Sirianni when he meets with Lurie? Uh, it could. It maybe should. I I'll go hypothetical after hypothetical. I'll go right down the <laughs> hypothetical road too. Uh, let's say Sirianni keeps his job, and they, he gives the the picture for Jeff Lurie to look at. Here's how. I would move going forward and Jeff likes enough of what he hears and whatever suggestions they're going to give him as far as coaching staff changes, he rubber stamps them. Will firing Sean Desai, Matt Patricia, throwing DK McDonald for the defensive backs, offensive side, Aaron Moorhead maybe, but you guys are convinced that uh, the offensive coordinator stay in put. Is that enough scapegoating to use the... John McMullen slash Jeff Laurie's favorite word. Is that enough of a scapegoat list? The two defense coordinators, maybe one defensive backfield coach, maybe one wide receiver coach, or does there need to be more blood on the floor? <laughs> they, they got a pretty big tab to pay for the way they finished this season. Is just one coordinator and some position coaches enough to go, all right, now we got it. 
Well, among the fan base, no, probably not. They no. want they want the top. They want the head chopped off at the top of this organization, and you know it's not going to be Howie, even though as John mentioned, you know is the personnel good enough? I mean, that's that's certainly something to analyze. Um, he can't escape blame here either. I mean, a report came out of Chicago. I think Clay Harbor had it that T.J. Edwards said Howie never reached out to him when he hit free agency, yeah. never tried to bring him By back. Way, I'm glad because everybody, and I was part of the problem with this because I was speculating um, why TJ might've left. And I said, he's from Chicago. I talked to him many times over the years. He was a Bears fan growing up. I said, maybe, maybe he wanted to go home, but I saw no evidence and I got no evidence. The Eagles offered him anything. And now we know they didn't. So, no. And, and that's on how stop saying that. Yeah. No, no question. To not reach out to him and try to bring him back, a uh, homegrown guy. So yeah, how he cannot escape culpability here. But that Correct. you know that he's not going to get canned here. Um, you know, the only way fans will be happy, I think, most of them anyway, from you know judging on things I've seen on X and you know different social media sites, uh, they want Sirianni gone, and uh, that's the only thing that's going to keep them happy. But uh, listen. This, there's a lot of fans out there that still support this team, obviously, uh, and it's been a successful franchise. And you have to think about that, too, if you're Jeffrey Lurie, is if you get rid of a coach who had all these accolades in the first three years, you know, you run the risk of becoming the Carolina Panthers, like John said. Um, but, you know, listen, we started by talking about Lurie. I mean, getting a late start into looking into coaches. I don't, I don't think it's a late start. Last year they played in the middle of February. So, yeah, it was a late start when you had to go out. You're, you're, a lot of stuff was already picked over. Uh, at that point. Uh, now, here we are. The divisional round of the playoffs hasn't even begun, right? Starts tomorrow. Uh, and the Eagles are probably already formulating coordinator lists. So I don't think it's late at all. I still think there's a lot of good candidates out there, but you have to find one that's going to want to come if Sirianni's back, who's going to want to hitch his star, his potential head coaching star to Nick Sirianni and Sirianni's fate. All right, here's the names on defense. Sean Desai, Matt Patricia, Tracy Rocker, Jeremiah Washburn, DJ Elliott, Tyler Scudder, DK McDonald, Tabor Johnson, Ronell Williams, Mike D'Angelo. Those are the Eagles defensive coaches, uh, you know, some more important than others. Interestingly enough, I think Tyler Scudder is the name to keep an eye on. Um, he was, he's very close to Nick Sirianni. Uh, he was his personal assistant before he got promoted to assistant linebackers coach. That's the kind of thing you see if Jeffrey tweaks. I mentioned it. Kevin Petullo's obvious because everybody knows Kevin. But Tyler Scudder's less obvious. And that's something where if Jeffrey Lurie wants to be a you-know-what, he can say, you got to move on from Tyler Scudder. And that could create the rift. It's interesting. But of all those defensive coaches, I think – you could argue Tracy Rocker might be back, maybe Wash, maybe DK, and that's it. And that's it. I think that's enough scapegoating for Jeffrey Lurie. And the luxury Jeffrey Lurie has, Ed, it, this fan base is showing up. Other cities have to worry yeah. about that. that Because I heard Troy Aikman say that on, on somewhere. And he said they need to bring. No, they don't. They can do whatever they want. And the Eagles fans are showing up. It's not like certain other cities where you have to worry about selling tickets and you got to worry about this and that. They might be angry, 
They might call Jody up on WIP. Correct. They might say something in the chat, but they're showing up. So Jeffrey can do whatever he wants if he wants to be consistent and continuity and calm and rational. He doesn't have to worry about it like some of the other organizations do. Agree with that or not? Absolutely. Um, you know, this. there's a long waiting list for season ticket holders, just like there is for the New York Jets. You know, there's a, there's a fan base out there for the New York Jets too, right? I mean, even though they haven't done much, uh, since Joe Namath led him to, <laughs> to a Super Bowl. But, uh, yeah, I mean, no, I agree with you, John. Lurie can make those decisions knowing that, hey, that my fans are going to show up, and they will. Um, you know, they're the most popular pro sports team here in Philadelphia. And yeah. I'll say this about Eagle fans. And while they're loud, they're emotional, sometimes they can be uh, spur of the moment, but they're loyal, and they're they're really not dumb. They're smart. Nobody's jumping off this ship. I, I, I it was either yesterday before our buddy Aton from uh, Philly Voice, uh, formerly here on Jacob, wrote a column about how Jason Kelsey forewarned and how Eagle fans are going to react, and he suggested that yeah, there's a price to be paid for this. No, there's not. Nobody's getting off the ship no. after eleven and five and one year removed from the Super Bowl. Suck for four straight years, then you might actually see the waiting list for tickets evaporate. Right now, it's still very deep. And if somebody's going to get so annoyed that they're bringing back Nick Sirianni, he gives up his season tickets, they'll be resold in seconds. Not minutes, seconds. Somebody will jump in and buy those tickets. So Jeff Laurie does have the ability to do whatever the hell he wants here. The, and and Philly just in general. Hey, they stayed away from the Phillies for years. They yeah. went to in playoffs five straight years. They sucked for a decade, or at least they weren't good enough to make the playoffs. Oh, yeah, good seats available at, at Citizen Bank Park. But as soon as they get good again, boom, the house is packed. The Eagles have nothing to worry about the fan base. If they just turn off WIP, Jeff Laurie won't even know that there are Eagle fans that are not happy with the offseason decisions that he makes. All right, Ed Kratz, I'm going to make you make a prediction. We do it all the time, picking games every single week. We've been doing it for months now. We believe the head coach is staying. That could, as we continue to spin through hypothetical scenarios, could change by this afternoon. But if Sirianni is here, they changing one or two coordinators. And if it's only one, who do you think is going to be the next person in that chair when all the uh, spinning of the chairs ends? I think Frank Reich will have a role on this team next year in some form, whether it's as the OC or a senior offensive analyst. But I think Frank Reich will be uh, on this staff. Why, why didn't Frank come back this year? Well, I think things were kind of already in place with the Eagles. Although, having said that, Sirianni was quick to move on from Patricia or uh, Desai and bring in Patricia. And by the way, that was a huge problem. Talking to players yeah. on uh, That's Wednesday. That's the biggest mistake. Biggest. It was year. a huge mistake. Players all the defensive players all said it was a tough adjustment to make uh that was a that was a bad thing to do and if that was all Sirianni he's got to answer to that too but as far as your question goes I think Frank Reich will have a role I think you know that Brian Johnson question is pretty tricky um you know I I I, I I'm gonna say he's gonna be back just for the sake of you know kind of playing the other side of this because everybody thinks he's gone but I think 
somehow Brian Johnson's going to come back and they're going to end up replacing some of these other assistants that John mentioned. Um, and, you know, you, Jeff Stoutland has to answer for some things too. I know he gets a big pass. Oh, whoa. But this offensive line, and he's the run game coordinator, they yeah. couldn't block in the run game for weeks and weeks and weeks after getting off to such a good start. They had a hard time picking up blitz protections. Now, I know there's more than, you know, just your offensive line in play here, but, you know, Stoutland gets a pass and – he is a great coach, but he's got to answer to some things. This offensive line did not block well in the run game late, that's and that's a problem. All uh, right. So, yeah, I think a lot of these assistants are in trouble, but I think Johnson comes back, Sirianni comes back, and they'll probably bring in Frank Reich. Defensive side of the ball, I have no idea, but it's going to be somebody new. All right, send your hate mail to at Kratzy. Uh, Jeff <laughs> Stoutland disrespect. I love it. SI.com backslash NFL backslash Eagles. Uh, Edge scoops Kratz breaking the news that Jeffrey Laurie's yacht shopping. Hopefully he's back. You know, maybe the weather uh, 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 cut him down. So we'll see what happens today, how it unfolds. But Ed's doing a great job at SI.com. Uh, I'm doing an okay job, but he's doing a great job. So well done, Ed. Yeah. No, don't sell yourself short, John. <laughs> Except John couldn't find St. Martin on a map. You needed to. <laughs> You did, and I give you credit for it. I knew it was on the in the Caribbean. Okay. I knew that. Thanks, guys. Be safe. Eddie, thanks, hey, buddy. thanks. It's Ed Cratch from Sports Illustrated here with Sunbirds 365. Got another uh, good Eagle beat writer, hopefully joining us in less than 20 minutes now. Uh, did Brooks tell you why yesterday? Did you just forget his... Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Phone go dead. He, he he was caught up in something, you know. Sometimes as a as a that that's the term he used. Sometimes as a beat writer, you're ordered to do a story, and uh, you know, uh, sometimes you can't do it. Happened to Jeff Kerr the one time you remember. Sometimes you get ordered by right. The oh yeah, but higher ups and say. For but, Kerr's credit, know. he did text and say, yeah. I got up and Well, something. that would have been nice. Yeah, that yeah, part would have been Brooks nice. kind of fumbled the football on that one. Yeah. But we're giving him another shot. Sometimes yeah. you cough it up, you got to hand it right back to him and go, all right, prove that that was just an anomaly. Yeah. Uh, so Brooks Cabina from The Athletic is scheduled to join us coming up in less than 20 minutes here on Birds 365. Hey, guys, Birds fans, here's your chance to save up to 40% on your car insurance right now from one of Jacob Sports' great partners, here's what you need to do. Call managing partners Jim and or Fran and tell them you're a friend of Jacob Sports and Birds 365. My name is uh, Fran Solano. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget.
any professional sports coach will tell you, there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go Bird! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go Birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Get Mac and Mac here on Bird Street 65. Like I said, we're hoping that Brooks Cabina does not get something to work on in the next 15 minutes, and he's able to join us here on Bird Street 65. He of the Athletic, um, Johnny well, Mac. Nick putting... will probably get fired in 10 minutes from now. No, you think so? That, no, that, that would I do change. not think so. Yeah. That would change. That everything. would change everything. Yeah, we we cut anybody slack if that's the case. Uh, we don't know if uh, Jeffrey ever got off the island of. San Martin, San Martin, St. Martin, or whatever the hell it's called. Um, John, the Eagles did make some moves yesterday, major moves within the last uh, since the season ended. The reserve futures contract market, which is it's not exactly the same, but it's pretty similar for those who don't understand. And for years, that included yours truly. Kind of like yesterday as well, the Phillies named the 15 players that are getting non-roster invites to the minor league, uh, to the, excuse me, uh, preseason spring camp, that you're in camp, you get a uniform, you get to play in a couple of spring games, your chances of making the team are probably not great. There are even levels to that, guys who are young and are draft picks that they just want to give them a taste that they're bringing them into camp. But you know, they got next to no shot of making the team. Then you got guys who are signed to those type deals. Either you're going to make the team or they're going to release you. So there are even different levels, but it's, it's kind of the same thing. You got a shot. That's all they're promising you is a shot. You're going to get to, to show up and show out at some point, but you're, you're down the priority list. They had 20 guys that they signed to reserve future contracts if you could educate me and our listeners in any way, shape, or form, what reserve future contracts 
actually are, what they look like, how much emphasis should be put on them. What, what, what do you think about the 20 guys? And I could give you some of the names, but if you'd be so kind, first uh, educate us a little bit on what reserve future contracts are. Well, it, mainly it's it's for the practice squad guys. And then the Eagles tend to be a little bit more um, uh, 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 a little bit more forward thinking, trying to get guys under contract than typical NFL teams, which I think is good. But the vast majority of the guys were practice squad guys and the Eagles brought in uh, a few others. And basically it's it's. You know, you're, you're going into off-season mode from the salary cap standpoint. So when the new league year starts, um, uh, the top 51 is basically the rule um, when it comes to the salary cap. Um, and and re- reserve future signings never account for any of that. So basically, um, it's just a procedural thing. And it generally, most teams sign uh, most of their practice squad guys. Some of the guys want to take a look around. The Eagles... Are, are usually most teams get about nine, 10 guys. Uh, the Eagles, as you mentioned, uh, brought back 20, many of them from the practice squad that, that ended the season, but handful of other guys as well. Um, yeah, it's something to keep an eye on from a developmental standpoint, but uh, um, it's not <laughs> earth shattering or anything of that nature. Right. Now, uh, I said uh, we got a couple names here that I note, like Turin Jackson. He's a fifth-round draft pick, and he is now on the reserve futures level of uh, acknowledgement and or commitment from the organization. That's not good. If, if well, that's because he, he was on the practice squad. So, um, basically, if you're on the practice squad, you're – uh, if you end the season on the practice squad, your your contract expires. So you have to sign, if you want somebody back, you have to sign him to a reserve futures deal. Um, in the case of Tehran, um, he was a six-round pick. But yeah, he he had long ago been, been cut and, and brought back on the practice squad. So any of those guys. So if you see the season, you end... Uh, I'll pull up their practice squad. This was the the group on the practice squad when the when the season ended. Thomas Booker they signed to a reserve deal. The Raven Clark they signed. Noah Ellis they signed. Bakai Gardner, Mario Goodrich, uh, Griffin, A. Bear. I, I I think Griffin was on the list, but I'm not sure. Uh, Taron Jackson, Tristan McCollum was on the list. Joseph Nada, um, Lou Nichols, Josiah Scott, Brandon Smith, Lasita Smith, Noah. I don't Tundi, think I, I don't think Josiah Scott was on no, the list. Brett Todd. I'm just giving you all the names on the Eagles practice squad. And Greg Ward uh wasn't uh, some of the veterans because remember when they changed they expanded the practice squad, let you put veterans. So some of the veterans take some time to shop around. Um Generally, the younger players that you have on the practice squad, you bring back uh, on reserve futures deals. Um, not everybody, you know. Some is there have... is there a max number? Like you said, most teams are somewhere in the ten to twelve area. Eagles ink twenty guys to this yesterday. Is there a max number, or could you have fifty under future reserve? You could have fifty, but remember, there's a max number for the offseason roster, so you 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 can only have ninety guys. So that 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 you can do it any way you want. 
to to get to that. And most people don't even get to ninety till after the draft and after undrafted free agency. Right. After the draft, that's when they hit that number. So it, it, at this time of year, it's not a problem. You have a certain number of guys under contract, and you, you can't go above. You can never go above ninety. But that's not an issue this time of year. But the Eagles are, and and by the way, I give them credit for stuff like that. They they'll take a shot, and most times it won't matter, um, to be honest. Uh, but occasionally you might find a player here or there, and it's easier to find a player if you actually have them in the building. So or have them, you know. So I I think. They do things like that. We we always say winning outside the margin margins. They take pride in that. They take it more seriously, and I think that's a good thing. Like Jacob Harris, I'm I'm looking down the list. He wasn't here. That's he not only, um, and he's um, um, he he was a fourth round pick at one point, but he was not here at any point during the season. Um, and they signed him to a reserve futures deal. So maybe they saw something in him. Um, and who knows? Maybe it develops down the road. But I think they they do things like that better than most teams. So that I will that kind of stuff I give him credit for. I, I, as do I. Um, but I want to ask you about one specific position. And they drafted Devontae Smith in the first round, moved up, moved back then move back up again to be able to be in position to draft him. And yeah, yeah, yeah. They could have taken that linebacker from Penn state that's gone to Dallas and done pretty well. Uh, I don't want to re-legislate that draft again. All we know is Devante Smith was about the only player for the Eagles that could walk off the field with his head held high on Monday night. He's lived up to every reputation that he's needed to and, and uh, done exactly what the Eagles uh, should have expected from him. Howie Roseman made a great trade and got a steal for AJ Brown and AJ Brown, as you and I, I think both agreed at the end of this season was probably the best football player on the Philadelphia Eagles roster all year. Numero uno above Lane Johnson, above Jason Kelsey, Above anyone else on the offense, or the defense. he's probably their best football player this year. And how he went out and got him and didn't have to overpay. They paid him a lot of money for his salary, but that was even going right for the NFL for a star of his magnitude. So uh, the top two wide receiver spots, outstanding, Howie, as good as any other general manager in the NFL. All your other wide receivers, not good. <laughs> Quez, not good. Alamade made a couple of nice catches over the course of the year. Look at the numbers. They're not all that impressive, not jumping off the page at all. And your practice squad guys and, and Julio shot in the dark. He just looks done and over. Your practice squad guys showed no ability. We never did. Anytime we have a conversation, John and Mike, well, they could call this wide receiver up from the practice squad. Nope. Those guys didn't show anything that said, yeah, why don't you call me up from the practice squad? How big a problem is that with the organization that their ability to judge non-superstar wide receivers was awful this year? Well, I think it's been, to be honest, I think it's been awful for quite a few years. If you think about pre 
um, AJ Brown and pre Devonte Smith. I mean, this this team Carson Wentz set the franchise record for passing yards with a receiver who no receiver that had over six hundred yards. Now they had Zach Ertz at tight end, but um, it's kind of amazing how in this era of professional football they went so long without having uh, a top tier receiver. And they made the mistake on Jalen Rager, picking him over Justin Jefferson. And to to fix that mistake, they had to go back in the draft and get Devontae Smith. And and they had to trade up, by the way, to get him. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they had to trade another first-round pick the next year, plus a third-round pick, plus $100 million to get A.J. Brown to fix this position. And they still have no depth because they haven't been able to develop um, anybody uh, over the state. And Quez Watkins could, you know what, he, as a six-round pick, when you judge it from that perspective, he had some decent games, but he got progressively worse in the Nick Sirianni era. Um, so, yeah, it's been a stain, their lack of development of third, fourth, fifth receivers. When you look around teams like Green Bay, you're going to see them play this weekend. They got all these young receivers. They're throwing yep. them out there. They're making plays. Five deep. Eagles can't find anybody. It's astonishing. So is that on Howie? Because you mentioned you go back to the previous regime, Doug Peterson, now into Nick Sirianni. So it's been going on uh, for many a year now. Is that on Howie and his his? Yeah, you got you got to look at it they, now. You can see we were just talking about the reserve future guys. Jacob Harris is somebody I brought up. Griffin Abear who played wide receiver at Louisiana, played tight end, They big wide receiver, essentially. They brought him in late in the season. Jacob Harris, who hadn't been here. Shaquan Davis, who hadn't been here. So they're trying to find bodies um, at the position. And and they need Austin Watkins as well, who hadn't been here, who hadn't been here. So they're trying to find bodies at the position. You can see it already. And they need to get more athletic and, um, they need somebody when they're forced to play, like when AJ Brown AJ gets, gets hurt, hurt. Yeah, make a play. They need to find some bodies, and clearly they're already trying to do it with the reserve signings that they did. Uh, and none of those names jump off the page to me, but I'm not uh, going to put myself on it. Oh, I know exactly. No, I don't know. But these guys, they might have found a diamond in the rough yesterday. Or they could have just uh, accumulated more roughage, which is all their wide receivers have been, not named Devontae Smith or A.J. Brown the last couple of years. All right, he's McMullen on McDonald. I see the Brooks cabine is good enough to go today. I think he was out shoveling yesterday. I think that's what he's actually working on. It wasn't right? snowing yesterday. Well, but yeah, but the ice, objective. you had to get yeah. the ice up. So yeah, when the snow yeah. came today, you didn't go yeah. ass over tea kettle down on the ice. So <laughs> I think Brooks was actually out salting yesterday. Uh, but he's with us today. We can see him in the green room. He's ready to rock and roll with us. Books Cabina from The Athletic up next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. 
With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. You got your MAGA Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald here on Birds 365, and we are joined by Burke Cabina from The Athletic, who I was lucky enough to be able to talk to on Sunday prior to the game when he was on me with my other Mac partner, Glenn Mac, now on WIP. And uh, none of us were really overly optimistic coming into the game against the Bucks on Sunday. You might maybe a little less pessimistic than me or Mac now. Um, it was a spit show, if you get my drift. Um, what the hell happened? What, what what was it? We always talk about the perfect storm coming together. I don't know that there could be any less perfect storm that came together Monday night in Tampa. What what to you was the biggest thing that just stuck out? And you go, oh, my God, they stink. They couldn't tackle. I mean, yeah. the team forgot how to tackle. You have people just running right over the middle and then running right through defenders. No one's going to win when you do that. Um, I mean, the second thing that stuck out to me was that the Eagles were only down 16 to nine at halftime, and they had three shots coming out of the second half one, two, three, and then safety. Game's pretty much over at that point because there wasn't much confidence that the offense was going to score another touchdown, much less two. Um, so 
it was it was a team that looked disorganized, that looked like it wasn't confident, and that was doing a lot of confusing things, like starting off the game with two major runs that end up being first downs, and then third and two, they're forcing a downfield throw, and then the next drive on third and three, doing the same. Not a lot made sense in that game, and it never seemed like for a moment that the Eagles were supposed to have been favored. I wrote a week before that at one point it was unquestionable that the Eagles were bound for the playoffs. Now it's questionable if they belong at all. They didn't look like they belonged. So that was was striking to me that all of the talk leading into that from Sirianni to Jalen Hurts to everyone on the team saying that the playoffs was going to be different and that they would finally find their way through didn't show up. So they didn't have the answers. Uh, This was a very talented roster. Um, the frustrations were evident across the board, but they just simply didn't have the answers. Yeah. You, you bring up 13 missed tackles officially Brooks. So I look at that and, you know, all Tampa Bay was trying to keep them in the game. If you think about all their drop passes in the first mm-hmm. half, if they caught the football, the, the game would have been over in a quicker fashion. Yeah. And then the second thing I looked at was over 11 combined on third and fourth downs. You mentioned some of the third downs of trying to get the football down the field in manageable situations. That's been a, a problem all season. They seem to have fallen in love with the explosive play and, you know, sometimes, you know, go get the first down and get the explosive play on the next set of downs. Um, great personnel, though. And I, I raised my hand, uh, Brooks, because I thought they had great personnel. I'm starting to waver. I think many of us overrated this team, certainly defensively, but even offensively from the perspective of no A.J. Brown. And this team looks completely different. I mean, it looks completely pedestrian when A.J. Brown wasn't on the field. Very short time, he got hurt in the first quarter against the Giants and then the playoffs. When he's not out there, the whole thing falls apart. Did we overrate the roster of this team? No, I don't think so because, I mean, I know this is coming from a perspective of a different team, but, you know, whenever I was covering the Texans early on in the year, going into the year, I was like, well, they don't really have any wide receivers. And the depth of what they had was like Robert Woods and Xavier Hutchinson and, Brevin Jordan, all these players, and they found ways to get them open and scheme them up to be able to get catches. So, like, you make use of what you have on your roster. I mean, I was listening to you guys earlier, like, with Quez Watkins and, um, you know, others on the receiving core. I mean, targeting them, finding them in spaces, giving them the opportunity to even get the ball. We weren't seeing that. We were seeing Jalen Hurts forcing the ball to Devontae Smith and places where it was obvious that if they were going to go to somebody, that was going to be the guy. They took all the questioning out of it for a defense. The one thing you don't want to be on offense is predictable. So on fourth and four, when in this crucial point of the game, you know, I talked to Devonta Smith after the game. He said he went up to Sirianni and said, give me the ball. Everybody in the stadium knew if they were going to go to one guy, it was going to be Devonte Smith. So if they're going to go in man-on-man situation and out, out in the end zone, that's it was well covered. They, they should have expected it. For him to have scored would have been totally a problem for the Buccaneers because they would have to face the question, did you not think they were going to go to Devontae Smith there? So, I mean, I don't I don't think whenever you have Jalen Hurts, 
Devontae Smith and DeAndre Swift and an offensive line that has three pro bowlers on it, that's a good roster in terms of the rest of the NFL. So I, that they had the lack of answers with what they had, they should have they should have been a lot more competitive offensively than they were. Brooks, I want to ask you about uh, talking to the players after the game and then with the exit interview the other day. Uh, immediately after the game, at least the, the the whispers around the locker room, which became reports thereafter, that Jason Kelsey was telling some of his teammates, listen, guys, don't know that I'm going to be back in the room. This could very well be it. Became a major conversation because of what uh, Jason Kelsey has been here during his time in Philadelphia, and I'm not suggesting it shouldn't have been the major topic of conversation, but it did just kind of take the focus away a little bit. Then on Wednesday, when all you guys get in there and the players walking out, the question was about Sirianni and his status, starting with Jason after the game. What are you talking about? Like trying to be flippant that I don't even know why we're having this conversation and Fletcher going on deep defense of Nick Sirianni. So there've been issues that have been talked about. Are the players looking enough in the mirror and going, yeah, you know, maybe the coaching wasn't as good as it was supposed to be, but uh, 11 missed tackles, did you say, John, or 13? 13. 13 missed tackles. Yeah, part of that could have been because the coaches didn't have you in the optimum spot. A whole bunch of it with my eyes were, you guys didn't play hard enough. You guys didn't try hard enough. You guys weren't successful enough to just put yourself into a position to make a tackle. Are the players getting less criticism than maybe they should because of Jason walking away and coaching decisions to be made? No, I, I think there's just a lot of attention on Nick Sirianni right now because of the collapse. Who is ultimately responsible? Head coach. So that's where a lot of the direction of the questioning and where things are going right now. I mean, I talked to several players, Jordan Mailata, um, you know, Nicholas Morrow, guys that were very open about how they personally and as a team struggled as players. I mean, A.J. Brown talked about it a couple of weeks ago at his locker. I mean, it's not lost out on them that their problem was as big as the coach's problem. I mean, Jalen Hurts said it as his locker okay. on Wednesday, too, that, you know, he included himself in the self-accountability. So I think when you look at the major problem in trying to explain why the team went from 10 and 1 to – 11 and seven down the stretch. I mean, that's a huge nosedive with a lot of questions and trying to figure out how to make it help work. But Nick Sirianni is going to take the major brunt of that. Um, that's expected. So, and the other point I'd like to make is like, if you go up to a player and say, what do you think of your coach? It's kind of a question where I, I'm not really expecting yeah, him to say anything I'm, other than, Hey, I terrible. really like the guy. Yeah, so terrible. like, I don't, I don't really expect any other answers, so I'm not saying that they don't feel that way or do feel that way, but I don't think you're really going to get the most honest answer in that kind of situation. But, you know, that's that's just my opinion. Um, I don't think, you know, there, there are different ways to support verbally your coach and give your take on it, but I, I just psychologically and how people work, I don't think that's really but a I situation. Will, I will say this. Barry yeah. Slay, who's – straight a shooter as you're going to get on that team did kind of suggest that the whole flopping out to Cy for Patricia was a failure. Yeah. After uh, a decision two, had already two been wise made. comparison, how do you deal with two wives? It's not a good thing. <laughs> so he did call out 
the organization, and you can direct it any way you want toward Sirianni because he says it was his decision, and or if you believe he was pushed into making the decision, I'll give Slate credit. He did uh, at least give you an honest answer that, yeah, yeah. The, the the firing of the defense coordinator was stupid. But again, that's not, that's a that's a decision that had already been made, framed around you know a defensive coordinator shift that had already happened. Like okay, so uh, they'll tell you the truth after the fact, but they won't tell you in advance, is what you're saying. I mean, they're 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 players who have contracts and influences on this. They have futures, their futures. So if they're they're accountable to what their problems are too, they're going to throw themselves under the bus too. Like you know, what if I, there there are some things that aren't really smart to do. You know, yeah. I, I, so it's well, I yeah. say it all the time. People listen to coaches in press conference, Brooks, and they act like they're under oath. I mean, they lie to us all the time. Nick Sirianni yeah. lied, but you know, people say, Oh, he said this on Monday. Yeah, you might have been right. blowing smoke up here. You know, Sirianni what? said, you know, on a Monday that he wasn't going to change play callers or defensive play callers. Yeah. And then two days later, Sean, uh, Matt Patricia is leading the yeah. defensive meetings. So, yeah, exactly. like, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you're a hundred percent right on that, but I want to, you know, let's talk about Nick Sirianni. Cause that's the story obviously. And scheduled meeting today with Jeffrey Laurie. So we know Jeffrey's history here in Philadelphia and, um, we know the six out of seven, it, it looked really bad at the end, the optics. Now to me, you have a very unique viewpoint of this because you were in Houston. And if you think about Houston in the wake of, Bill O'Brien, I, I think it was, what did they go, three straight years? I think it was Romeo, David Culley, Levy Smith. And then they finally seemed to have gotten it right with Tamika Ryans. But um, there were some lean times in, in, in Houston, and they didn't have the greatest reputation because they're hiring guys to fire them in one year. Um, where do you kind of fall on continuity versus um, uh, this guy's got a 667 winning percentage, three consecutive playoff appearances, but it looked really bad. You want to be rash? You want to reboot? Or you believe in continuity? So, you know, we could go for an hour about the coaching changes over the last three years with the Texans. There are a lot of stories to that. Uh, But specific to um, this situation, the difference here is you look at a Texans organization that was constantly rebuilding and drafting new players and bringing in young free agents and working with the cap situation that was absolutely garbage and that needed to be overhauled. So whenever the coaches were in those situations and coming out of uh, Bill O'Brien's firing, Romeo Cornell was the interim for that year and then they started opening up and then uh, Deshaun Watson uh, issued a trade demand and then was hit with all of his civil lawsuits. Nobody was really going to, at the, at the, at the trade demand, nobody really wanted to come into that situation. So the job pool was pretty slim and David Cauley became the head coach first time as an NFL head coach. After that, the roster was still in shambles. Um, after that first year. And the reason partly why David Culley was fired was because the players that they were drafting and putting in these situations were not being developed. You think about the offense and whether it's fitting, the defense, whether it's fitting, is everything that's being put into this organization, is that working? So that's the point that I'd make through this. 
right now, Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman making calls all week, looking for coaches available to present and a potential staff to um, Jeffrey Lurie. So the main question here is, you've got two scenarios that are probably going to happen. Right now, offensive coordinator Brian Johnson's out interviewing for head coaching positions. So let's just say you're going to either, one, start over entirely by firing Nick Sirianni and hiring a new head coach to build out a staff, or you believe in Nick Sirianni and he's going to pretty much have the same effect from there on down in the coaching staff that would happen with an entire overhaul anyway. New coordinators, likely a lot of new staff members below that. So do they believe that Sirianni, does Jeffrey Lurie believe that Sirianni is the one that will be able to lead a coaching staff into new answers or those people that are coming in going to be the ones that can solve the answers for why they went from 10 and one to 11 and seven, why the offense that had all these players couldn't find a way to get downfield and score why AJ Brown wasn't able to be involved in the games. He was why Jalen hurts couldn't handle the blitz, why the defense, you know, couldn't tackle and couldn't be in space. Those guys will be part of that. And Lurie would have to have confidence that a, he can, Sirianni can find those people and B, organize the team and all of the things that go off the field in terms of organization, although that would be part of the same flow with the players that they have. So that's that's the major question. So right now, this is totally different from what the Texans had the last three years. You have a team that had high expectations, the roster that's prepared. You're looking to see, is this something that can – teams have seen what you're going to do. They uh, Jalen Hurts and this offense – and they found answers against you. Now you're trying to figure out whether you have the guys that are going to be able to respond. Totally different situation. So uh, it's what the Texans next year are going to have to deal with when everybody says, well, we looked at this one year at C.J. Stroud and Nico Collins and all these people and Bobby Sloak with all of his offense. They're going to find answers for it and they're going to come next year. And if they struggle, then that's what the Eagles situation would be in right now. So those are the differences. All right. John and I discussed it in the first segment today and yesterday. And Ed Kratz, when he jumped in with us, we discussed it with him. And we all seem to be pretty much on the same side. If there's a change in head coach uh, late today, tomorrow, whatever, next couple of days, it'll be because Nick Sirianni got himself fired. That he drew a line in the sand, that he refused to walk back, and that Jeff Floyd decided to pull the plug on him. I think he's smart enough to realize that and won't do that. But the reason I can't say 100% is because, A, I think he can be real stubborn. And from time to time, he lets his emotions get the better of him. Give me a percentage chance that Nick either takes a stance or or reacts to something that he's told or, or is asked to react to where he just gets crazy and pointing fingers and screaming and yelling at fans and going into tunnels and screaming at the, is there any chance Nick Sirianni shoots himself in the foot this afternoon? I would be thinking about what he would be taking his stand on. Um, Cause when you sit down and you're in that meeting, I, I'll give you, I'll give you a name, Kevin Petulo. If the word comes down today, listen, here are the, we got the coaching staff list here, and we're just scratching off names. And one of them's Kevin Petulo, his good buddy, his trusted number one ear. If they say, "Listen, we're wiping all this clean," and you got to be okay with it, Nick. 
would Nick go to war for him? When I mean, they're making several calls throughout this week, organizing as potential staffs so that they can look through and see which is going to make this happen. So it's not just one name. So that already is not, I don't think, the case. So I I think in the certain situations where he'd be maybe inflexible is not the right word because he the what the thing I keep thinking about in terms of what he really, really believes in and is not really it's he's always said, like, this is my offense. This is what we're running through. Um but even then, I think he's savvy enough to know that they didn't have the right answers for the blitz. They didn't have the right answers for how how things work, getting the ball downfield to their best receivers, how some of that didn't work. So it's his his rhetoric throughout all these games has been, you know, we're trying we're a solutions based team. We're not pointing fingers. And the fact that he on defense presumptuous uh Presumption. Uh, I mean, I think he maybe was a little too soon in uh, shifting from Sean Desai to Matt Patricia. Basically, that proved out by the defense not doing any better, but that showed that he was willing to change even at a time when he wasn't really supposed to. I mean, I think he's pretty aware of how he ended up getting the job with the Eagles where Doug Peterson goes in and is obstinate and doesn't want to really change beyond what he thinks should happen and was already bucking with personnel and you know was had was very loyal to his coaching staff i think sirianni knows a little bit how to read the room in that type of way so i uh i would be surprised if that was the case if he ended up you know dying on a hill fair point um you you mentioned blitz a couple times and that was the biggest problem i think offensively people and jason kelsey even said it on clean out day whether Jason Kelsey's back or not, and it's unlikely he's coming back, Jalen Hurts is going to see a lot of zero blitz until he proves he can handle it, and this coaching staff can help him handle it. How much of the issues lean on the quarterback in those types of situations? I mean, think about the term sight adjustment, uh, Brooks. It's in the offense. I've seen it. But that's a, a, sight, that's a receiver and a quarterback being on the same page. There's an unblocked. That's on the quarterback. Dating back to Frank Reich, Eagles fans love, and Shane Steichen. An unaccounted for blitzer is essentially, that's on the quarterback. Everybody's got their responsibility to pick up. If you have an extra guy coming, ball's got to come out. How much do you blame that on Jalen Hurts? Um, I mean, he's definitely a huge part of it. Um, you have certain situations where the coach is supposed to give you an answer and then there's the player who's supposed to recognize it and then respond with the right answer. And I mean, even with the safety, that's a four man rush and he ends up taking a safety after getting flagged for intentional grounding. There was a lot of times I'm thinking back to even, I believe it was the Cowboys game. Correct me if I'm wrong, where, they were driving into the uh, end zone, uh, into the red zone, and then he backed up and then slipped and fell. And then that turned into a field goal that was not helpful in the game. There were times where he was running himself into pressure. There was time he was running away from answers that were on the field. Um, a lot of the times he pulls off towards a sideline and the receiver that looks to be the hot route is on the other side of the field. Um, 
there's it, it becomes part of a larger conversation too about the responsibility Jalen Hurts had throughout the year that Brian Johnson, Nick Sirianni were trying to do and giving him more power at the line. He walked up to the line of scrimmage with a list of checks that he could go to in a play. Some offenses, you only get one under certain coaches. Uh, he had a list. And there were times where I feel like there was clear miscommunication for what they were doing. We got an insight on that against Tampa Bay on Monday night where the third and three, he gives one check that looked like this. And then yeah. right at the end, Probably, he did a yeah. little, little quick this and nobody was looking. You know, Devontae Smith said that later. Him and De Dallas Goddard saw the first sign, didn't see the second. And now they're running pretty much the same route. Yeah. And, yeah, making things a problem. That's on Jalen. That's on the players too. For are they supposed to be looking the whole time? Is he is Jalen supposed to be more demonstrative? I mean, it is on the players in those senses. Whenever you're given the power to dictate what can happen on the line, you you got to make sure that communication is being heard. So, if that stems over, because we don't have examples, it's it's great when players tell you what's going on because then you can understand a bit. I don't. I haven't talked to any. I went through the locker room the other day and um, tried to understand a little bit about the blitzes and whether there's some specific examples to look to. Um, you know, talking to a couple offensive linemen, and all these players are accepting the blame as a whole. Um, you know, they are like, "Well, look, you can look at the field and you see that the defense has one free player. Sometimes it comes from anywhere, and they can have one player from the box go take off and then cover somebody else on the other side of the field." So. All of the conversations I had basically pointed to it's been difficult for the offense to diagnose who people are sending, given the offense that they're running. So the checks, all that stuff, they've it, it hasn't really worked in terms of giving Hertz the ability to check through those things. So that's things that they really need the 30 foot view for to reassess whether that system even functions well and how they can fix that to allow Hertz to have the right way to check the things, to see things the right way, and to not end up in situations where they have no answers. So, um, yeah, that, that it's, a, it's, it's definitely, there's definitely a lot of the weight of that issue on, on, on Jalen and the players, for sure. Since you made reference earlier to uh, the Texan situation and the positions they were in, and Sari Capel because of Deshaun Watson and the deal they were going to have to make to get him off the roster. I know you get the whole roster construction thing. One of the most intriguing guys this offseason to me is, because the Eagles got a whole bunch of free agents. Whole guys just after they finish the game in Tampa, oops, guess what? You're not an Eagle anymore. You're a free agent. Are you coming back? You're going elsewhere or whatever. Well, one guy they have under contract going forward that I have no bloody idea what you can expect from him, or if they just have to move on. James Bradbury signed a three-year contract during this past offseason. You can move on from a guy anytime you want, but there are ramifications and salary cap hits. And his would be in excess of $17 million, which is a lot less than you'd be paying him just to have him back, but because you spread money out and you went three years deep. That's a pretty good hit for a guy who you kept all of one year and he stunk. What do you think they're going to do with James Bradbury? Did they swallow the pill and go, yeah, he just fell off the face of the earth as far as talent and skill and not believe that it was a coaching issue that he just got real old real fast. What do you think they're going to do with James Bradbury this offseason? Yeah, you're right. I mean, when it comes to dead money, 
Um, he'd end up being a major hit, costing the team close to $10 million in terms of cap savings. The only way that doesn't change, according to Over the Cap, is if he's traded post-June 1st, and that would give them alleviation um, on on the salary cap. Also, according to this, after post after June 1st, if he's cut, his dead money goes down to $4 million, and then he'd be a, a pretty much a nominal cap savings. So they they have some leeway a little bit with this contract and according to over the cap, which is generally uh, accurate on these things. Mm-hmm. So keeping him through training camp and then making a decision through there, they'd have a lot more financial um, flexibility in deciding where they want to keep him or not. So going into the off season, I would expect that they look at that position really hard. Um, and you've got players like Keely Ringo who came in and played a lot and uh, at times struggled, at times looked like he excelled. And they decide whether they need to add more to that group. I think they do um, throughout all the problems they had at the slot beyond Devontae Maddox. And you got to decide what you're going to do. Bradley Roby, his contract is expiring. Uh, was he just a mercenary for this year? You'd have to probably replace that roster spot. Um, so they pull together and figure out how to bolster up that defensive back core and then move into training camp, knowing that whatever they have behind that, if they decide to move on from Bradbury, whoever they have is going to be good enough to replace him. So is that building around Ringo? Is that building around whatever? You know, that's that's definitely something they will do, in in my opinion. So uh, as, as, as bleak as his contract is currently, there there appears to be more flexibility in the future. At B Cabina, follow Brooks on X, uh, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, athletic.com uh, does a tremendous job covering the Philadelphia Eagles. Your first clean out day in Philadelphia, Brooks. The most interesting part to me was Fletcher Cox for two reasons. One, Fletcher empties the locker, said he needed to clean it. That's not typical way of doing business. You see some of those guys, those mercenaries, Shaq Leonard, it wasn't even a speck of dust to yeah. tell you he was there. Yeah. Um, and it got so Nick Morrow out quickly. Um, Marcus Mariota, bang, everything gone. Fletcher, that's weird. And then to to add to that, Jordan Davis was talking about him like he was gone in, in the past tense. And he and Jalen Carter have to step up. They're not going to have Fletcher Cox as the security blanket. Is that just a young player just making speculation? Is it wild? Do you think there was more to it? Yeah, um, I think, well, for one, um, you know, Dave Zangaro, he asked him to clarify whether they actually talked to him or not about their decision, Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, and he admitted that they did not. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, 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 it's partly a young guy reading the tea leaves and – That's not to say like whenever older veterans come up and start talking to you and there's a a sense of what they're saying and they're saying, Hey, this is in your hands, you know, like whatever, all these kinds of different ways. And those aren't specific quotes, but I'm gathering that they've been talking to him in the way that, you know, the defensive staff have wanted them to take these young draft picks, these young first round picks and teach them up to give them the leadership that you've had and uh, give them the lessons. That's a thing that Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox both have done. So, um, you know, this situation, I think, definitely 
from Jordan Davis' perspective, he's just a young guy reading the tea leaves. I don't think he has the, the, the direct knowledge of that. But at the same time, um, you look at Cox and Graham and, you know, their contracts are up. Um, you look at the performance and where the defense is going. They're really going to have to figure out what fit um, everybody fits into whenever they ultimately figure out what defensive coach is going to lead this team. I think Fletcher Cox still has, you know, I think it'd be up. I think, it, I think the Eagles would allow Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham for as much as they've done with the team to decide whether, um, you know, they, they'd be able to, uh, make a case to come back. So I think there were a lot of times where Fletcher played really well. So I think he'd be a fit elsewhere. So it's really, to me, it would be a question of whether, um, you know, Cox wants to come back. So those are things that whenever you talk to him in his locker, him saying, I haven't really made the decision yet. Um, I think that, that, I think that's more the lines of where that is. So, um, Brand Grimm made clear after the game Sunday that he wants to come back for yeah. homecoming. Um, you know, he's played throughout the year, um, you know, just coming in halfway through, seeing that the Eagles and their pass rush wasn't what it was the last year. That would be just a large conversation for the Eagles to say, is is the roster spot from Brandon Graham going into this? Is that is he going to be effective in whatever scheme they end up running? So um, <laughs> it's not hopefully it's not Matt. Patricia or some other kind of coach that's bringing edge rushers back in coverage like they were doing with Brandon Graham so much. So um, we'll, we'll see. No, I think we're 99.9% sure it's not going to be Matt Patricia running the defense next year. All right, Brooks, last thing. Where'd you get the jacket slash sweater or whatever it is that you got? Look, look at a little Texas-y, but I think yeah. it's going to work in Philadelphia. Where'd you get that? Oh, it was a gift. It was a gift. It's just a, uh, just a cardigan. Um, just, a. it was a thoughtful thing from someone I know because they're like, well, it's a little colder out there. So I'm yeah. actually, I'm actually kind of coming down like, yeah. with a little bit of, a little bit of a cold myself. Uh -oh. and, uh, You're my, probably my, too close to Martin. Uh, my, you know, well, uh, my, my car was, uh, covered in snow yesterday, yeah. like ice, everything I had to take out and pretty much, I should have tried to get Cam Jurgens flamethrower. <laughs> there, so, um, definitely definitely new around here uh you got the cardigan on you're looking good i don't know if it's yeah, going to actually good. save you from getting a cold but you look good my friend and we appreciate you jumping in with us today thank you very much we'll talk to you plenty during the off season thanks for joining us today of course see you guys brooks Cavina from the athletic uh if you don't subscribe to the athletic you might think about it because he does an outstanding <clears> job covering the birds. And he jumped in mid-season and he hit the ground running. Uh, did a really nice job this year. Did a good job with us today. All right, McMullen and McDonald coming back. We got to put a bow on the show, a bow on the weekend. And we'll just give you a little shot in the dark as to what's going to happen with the Eagles this upcoming next couple of days. A little speculation to go out the door here on Birds 365.
any professional sports coach will tell you, there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go birds! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Dripping over into the power hour, and we want to let Carlo Rulo get going on time. Um, Daddy Mac, we got two days off here on Birds 365, a.k.a. the weekend. So you can listen to me on CBS Sports Radio. John will be working his phone, taking texts all weekend long. Uh, will they be where the Eagles go from here, as in Nick Sirianni in conjunction with Howie Roseman and Jeff Lloyd rebuilding a much-changed staff? Or is it going to be the clean slate and Sirianni does something that gets himself fired today? Uh, give me the percentage breakdown of it happening in McMullen land. Uh, I'm at 92% that Nick Sirianni will be back and there will be significant, significant changes on uh, the coaching staff. Um, no question about that. Um, and uh but there's always, I leave that little door open. The difference, as I mentioned, between Peterson and Sirianni. Peterson was further along because of the Mike Rowe stuff. We haven't had that with Nick. And, you know, we'll see how the Eagles go. Defensively, I think, is the bigger issue. And they need to correct things offensively. But I think people forget uh, they were still a top 10 offense in most meaningful categories. They need adjustments. They certainly need to handle the blitz better. I think that can be accomplished defensively. They got a whole foundational rebuild. I think they got to change scheme, philosophy. I think they got to get ahead of the curve instead of following the curve. Um, and that decision there will will be the most important and most interesting. I agree wholeheartedly on all fronts there. The defense is more interesting than the offense for me. But we'll see how it shakes out. All right, partner, good job this week. 
Uh, you missed a couple shows. I missed the show. I thought we did good the last two days here with Mac and Mac returning. I'm planning on being here all five days next week. How about you? Yeah, that's the plan. That's let's the plan. See. You know, let's so, hopefully we don't get snowed in. Everybody be safe today. Neither McMullen or McDonald going to San Martin. We plan on being here all week next week here on Birds 365 with plenty to talk about. Be with us. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.